Greetings programs, hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie by minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie, Tron. I'm your host, Duncan Shields, and with me today is my resourceful, enlightened, and stand-up guy, guest co-host, Chris Stewart from the Interdimensional Cross Rip. Welcome, Chris. Hello, sir. Hello. Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> tell me uh, a little bit uh, about yourself. Uh, I'm a pan-Canadian. That's not referring to my sexual orientation, just that I've lived all over Canada, so it's very hard to say where I come from. Uh, I work in video games at a company called Kerberos Productions, and I'm a giant, well, I'm a general movie nerd. Uh, the above amateur level uh, interest in movies, but my uh, main one is uh, Ghostbusters. Um, I ran, and still technically do run a fan site called Proton Charging for a measure of a couple of decades now. Uh, that one kind of got deprecated as adult life and children came along sort of thing. It happens. But uh, social media rose at the same time, so I kind of moved it a little bit over there. And a buddy of mine, uh, Troy Benjamin, who's down in L.A., and uh, he started a uh, something called the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Cross-Rip. I'll, I'll slow that down. The Ghostbusters Interdimensional Cross-Rip. Okay. So it doesn't sound like uh, a podcast... Uh, Specifically about Ghostbusters. So every week we just, what's the news and what's going on? Uh, cool. Well, I guess there's, yeah. Well, right now there's stuff going lot, on. Lots of news going on right now at this point in time. Um, wait, was there something? No. I guess that's it. No, I'm me. Yeah. Oh, that's what I wanted to ask you. You're, you've lived all over Canada? I was born in Halifax. Yeah. Uh, my brother's born in uh, uh, St. John's. Mm-hmm. Um my family's roots are in Prince Edward Island, mm-hmm. so for the first 10 years of my life, I lived all over the Maritimes. Wow. Uh, moved to Calgary around 10, so 10 to 25 there, went to university. So enough the, enough time that whatever the phase of my life is, I've grown, and like I put down roots and there's an attachment to the area. An affinity, yeah. And then, you know, uh, moved to, out here to the West Coast to Vancouver about 20 some odd years ago. Nice. And now, you know, that's where my family is and all that. And yeah. So when people say, where are you from? It's like, uh, hmm. Well, it's good that you've got that sort of representation of lots of different parts of Canada. Because, uh, I mean, I, I, can make, I can make all the jokes about uh, <laughs> areas of Canada now. I've been mostly West Coast. The furthest east I've been is Montreal. I've never made it to the, to the East Coast. And well, I'd like to. Beautiful. I'd, I'd like to. I hear good things. A lot of my favorite people are from the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And now here you are too. I didn't know that. I didn't know yeah. you were. Um, in saying you are also one of my favorite people. Just in case that came across in the wrong way. <laughs> a lot of my favorite people are from the East Coast and also and you. And also you. <laughs> That's not, well, yeah. I won't nurse that okay. too much. For... <laughs> um, I right. like many people very much. <laughs> and then there's you. That was always a, a classic on the um, <laughs> think of Three's Company and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't want some hot, beautiful supermodel. I want you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. That came out wrong. Okay, so yes. uh, let's go for minute five. Five. A little bit of what's happening. So Flynn's telling Clue to go through the uh, you know, the memory and inspect and find some stuff. And, uh, and there we go. So they're just having a little bit of a conversation. Yeah. Well, it starts off with what we were talking about previously, which was this approach to if you see a computer screen, it's not computer language, but it's not f- 
full English either. No, it's kind of like I was sort of thinking of it as, I guess those old those old text based adventure games. Kind of, yeah. That's go a good go one. go through door. Yeah. Pick up glass. Look L- look down. At, yeah. Look, down. look at. So he they get the they sell the point right away, which is he what was it request request access to clue program code six password password to memory zero two two two. So it tells it right there that he's trying to access Clue. He's trying to log into Clue. He has to password his way in, and then there's the computery bit, the the gobbledygook, which is the memory zero zero yeah. two two, which really doesn't have much. No, doesn't have much, much to do. Much, much uh, reality uh, to it, sort of thing. Like cross fades from the computer monitor to yes the maze or wherever uh, wherever the clue tank is driving around in which is beautiful uh, the the recognizers are kind of iconic in their own way they got used a lot and they're one of the few designs that pretty much remain unchanged from yeah. initial sketch way back to finished product in the yeah. movie and they get lifted and used because they're the face the face quote unquote of space paranoid yeah. at flynn's arcade yeah they're the basis of the game, um, but you you are the tank. You never see the tank. Yeah. So other than the light cycles, which also are very sexy and got used a lot, tanks are great, but they never got you never saw them much. You know that I went over to uh, I, well, okay, I went over to a famous comic book author's house in Scotland. I was I, I got to meet Grant Morrison briefly when I was in when I was in Scotland. Hang on, you just you dropped this name. I know I did. Okay, well. I <laughs> You know, me. We were just hanging out. Me and uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, and uh, no, no, we weren't. I so see. anyway, but he had a he had a tank model. Yeah, on uh, his bedside or not his uh, on a coffee table in his. What were you visiting for? Sorry. <laughs> Let's just rewind. We'll have to. I'll do some editing <laughs> on this part. No, leave it. It's good podcast. <laughs> uh, there was that. It was on his, like a coffee table in his living room, and he had a little model of. A tank from Tron. Really? And I was like, what? Because I'd seen light cycles and I'd, I think I'd seen recognizers, but yeah. I'd never seen a, a, a tank from Tron in the real world represented yeah. in like a model fashion. And No uh, model, no toy was made. I think he said it was a, yeah, it was unique. It was a, it was a, a one-off or something or, or some so part of. Scratch built. Yeah, scratch built. Or it, it wasn't like a maquette from the film. It wasn't like something from production, but right. it was also not something that was mass produced. Like it might have been a like a, an exclusive at a con or something. Oh, like that. okay. But uh, it I had was like, some level of officiousness. To yeah, it, you, n- not, you yeah. never, you never see, you never no. see the tanks around, and they're designed. Like I, I concur, the designs, the designs, beautiful. I'm a big Battlezone fan, but again, yeah. we never see. You see the enemy tanks, which are just, but to go from that. To then seeing these tanks, and it's like, oh, I hope one day, uh, you know, computer tanks look that good, and that thirteen-year-olds from around the world will say things about my mom. Like, like <laughs> we ultimately did get there visually, but uh, yeah, it's underappreciated the the, the the tank, and they show up a couple of times because the tanks yep. chase them down later. And yeah, they that. factor they factor in pretty well. So. And the, what the beautiful part about it is is that computers are supposed to be precise. Like there's supposed to be a symmetry to things, basically. Yeah. Recognizers are perfectly symmetrical. Yeah. Even the light cycles have yeah. a, a great balance to them. And then you see these tanks, and there's this weird kilt to offset an offset to the 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 the, the bit next to the the barrel and all. Like there's just the, yeah, a the weird turret, the turret at the I top. love uh, that's what I love most about it. Is yeah. There's something 
for uh, us in North America that weren't reading at the time uh, manga a lot, there was something borderline, you know, uh, manga futuristic. The way they built all their uh, future tanks and equipment with rounded sensor domes and all that like there was something very the temptation to just go to go pyramid to go polygon yeah to go facet and to go symmetrical they put round they did round stuff and shaded and it's just beautiful it really is the design work barrel's not a tube the barrel's not a square yeah it's It's, like a trapezoid it's a weird trapezoid yeah Yeah. it's just fantastic decisions all around yeah uh the thing that are really what this this hung me up for a long time is we spoke about previously about the thought that went into the Tron world. Yeah. This is a good example. They seem to have set rules for how a program talks to a user and how programs talk to one another. Yeah. And it comes up in this scene because it starts with him. Instead of typing more stuff on a screen, it moves to him talking it yeah. represents him typing on the computer. Yeah. And as this, well as talking, like we all talk to things in general. Yeah. During during the crossfade, right? Because yeah. if he's like, come on, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? It's, it's, where are you? And it's suddenly... It's he, a he, little bit of him talking to his computer like we always do, yeah. along with him actually typing commands and interface and all that, but it's rendered as him talking. It's almost like the, uh, in the hunt for Red October when they zoom in on the red light everybody's yeah. speaking Russian and then yeah. they zoom out and then everybody's speaking English. And the understanding is that, okay, they're still speaking Russian, weird. but instead of subtitles, Connery doesn't do an accent, but just pretend. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Um, clue talks very clipped fashion. Yep. Yes, sir. No, sir. Of course, sir. Like it just, it's him giving confirmations like a computer would back to you sort of thing. And there's a hint. We don't, I don't think we see it in the minutes we discuss. But later on, when he's been captured, and he's talking to Sark and the Master Control Program and all that, he then talks like uh, uh, Tron and Ram and all them do. He talks human. He talks, you know, conversationally. Yeah. You'll never get me to talk like he just. That's one of my. I love that line. But that comes up later. This is what's. But we see a small hint of it here because again, he turns to. Not a program, but to bit. And again, it's this it's like there's layers. Users, programmers, bits. And when he talks to bit, he talks like he's talking to a user. There is a computer talk where he will that work? Yes. And then he stops and there's a moment where he like because can we merge with that he Mem- talks in computer. memory stream? Can yeah. we can we merge with that memory stream? Yes. And then him take you actually see him. Like he has his, it's just him. Yeah, he has his program level human conversational characteristic, and then off he goes. And it took me a while to realize that they built these conversational levels because it was really weird. Like uh, to have like because you see the movie and you're used to Tron and Ram and uh, Crom that we saw last time just having conversations, and then it goes to him talking to, to Clue and Clue's yes. No, Corsair, but like he's what? Weird. Is he a simple program? But this is supposed to be his super. Like he just says, "You're the best program I ever made." Like, yeah. How come he's such an idiot that he's not an idiot? In order to converse with the users, he has to interface like a program, and then then it switches to the thing we talked about before. 
the the programmer's spirit is in everything they 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 write yeah it goes to that conversational level sort of thing it's an interesting sort of uh almost almost an inconsistency is that sometimes they talk like that and sometimes they don't yeah and it seems like it's uh it's, I, was, I didn't i i tried to refresh by watching the movie last night and i didn't complete it yeah i got lazy and said oh all i need is my, <laughs> my true enough true enough um so you're right i haven't completely tracked it but i think the rules are they're pretty good they're pretty good but later on when tron's talking to alan um he's shouting up a stream so he's like He's like that's true. Alan won, you know, like he he's not he's but he's not going. Alan won. Hello, you know he's not he hasn't he doesn't put on. <laughs> that might be like where that. uh uh pull, uh you know creative license comes in. It definitely at that yeah. point it'd be really ridiculous for him. One thing I like like Clue's a pretty fast talker, but I really respect uh, Jeff Bridges and the all the other actors in this movie for their ability to commit to a script that seems super out there. Yeah, and the filming conditions of filming in like black and white in puppy strange costumes yeah. on geometric sets with reflective tape. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, that's... The, the guards must have felt like they were on an HR puff and stuff or something. Like <laughs> big foam padding and pads and shoulders. We And we do that, like, nowadays every actor is on a green screen stage talking to tennis balls. Yeah. And, uh, but back then they didn't really do that that much you would have a matte painting or you would have an effect shot but you wouldn't have almost no set you know except for some sheets of plywood with some black and some paint and also with these actors like none of them were very technologically minded like so they would read like program and bit and uh stuff like that and they would commit to reading the lines they sell it really well but they're like oh i don't i don't know what that means you'd know better than i would because i know you've read a lot of behind the scenes making of production type stuff yeah i'm assuming the filmmakers had a lot of conversations with them to they definitely well they did and one thing that was cool is they had a, a bunch of video games on set right off camera uh well of course off camera but like uh around around the set where they were filming they had all these uh all these video game, all these old school 1982 cabinet video right. games there. So between takes, they would run off and play video games, and then they would come back to the to the. To, so it sort of got them in that mind that mind frame. Yeah, and they would always they would. Be, Jeff was really good at it. Jeff oh, was fantastic <laughs> at it. So they would keep saying like, you know, all right, we're ready, we're ready for you. And he's like, okay, just doing some more research here, like <laughs> getting getting a high score. Like I can't leave right I now, can't guys. Leave right now. Sorry. Um, yeah, I think. What because I, 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 the sets, what they remind me of, and this is why I think everybody did kind of okay with it, is if they've done any uh stage uh acting, yeah, at some point, even if it's just in their training, like when they went to, to school, and I'm pretty sure uh David Warner probably did, word at some point, you were on a black stage, black background, undressed, except for black wooden boxes you know just simple shapes with a couple of props around and then you filled it in because you were doing a scene for a class or something which meant you're not in costume we are not building a set we are not filling it with set dressing yeah so i think to get onto a thing and say well here's these boxes are the door through to your cell these are the windows between the cells and then we're going to put you in this simple costume and the the animators are going to make it look great later. I 
I don't know how hard it would be. To, Probably not that hard of a sell for anybody with a stage background, that's for sure. I don't know how many of those would be, but then, again, like I say, if they studied acting, and I think there's a good chance almost every single one of them there did. Yeah, I don't think anybody was a first-timer on Janu. No. And then, like I said, and then that you have to open it up a bit if they ever did any off Broadway or not school, but any you know stage acting sure. here and there. There's probably a lot of that, like two person scenes with nothing in it. And I don't know. I'm not an actor. I'm always amazed by the actor's ability to move when into they, a scene. Well, especially with nothing there. Yeah, like there's a there's a monster coming for you. Get scared. Yeah. Like, it's one thing to, like, I remember, I mean, talking about King Kong again, they did the giant animatronic ape hand. Yeah. So Jessica Lang was actually lying inside a giant hand. Yeah. So that's, that helps. And even, uh, but even uh, Cindy Morgan talking about David Warner, um, David Warner is stick thin in this frankly ridiculous costume. Yeah. <laughs> And he's like, you know, take them to the holding pit. And Cindy Morgan was like, ah, like she's like, I'm legit scared right now. And it's easy to act like what's going on is what's going on. They because once you commit, then it doesn't. It's like Dogville or whatever. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter. The set there, it's kind of inconsequential. Given that the world is given that there's nothing in the world. They coded the costumes really well, mm. which I think probably went a long way too. Well, and there's different versions. Like they didn't have helmets in the beginning, right? They had they had wacky '80s hairdos, yeah, and uh, really hard to mat out. So they're like, we better give everybody helmets. But they gave so Sark is very angular. Like he, he has a very threatening and aggressive almost, helmet, yeah, like the sharp chin points and. You know, almost Batman ears out the back. Yeah, or, or horns almost. All the uh, exactly all the uh, the regular programs very gladiatorial. Yeah, putting those helmets on and the the sash. Like yeah. they don't have this. There's a very much of a toga the gladiatorial one, the one shoulder sash. Um, I stopped so we didn't get to see her, but her character is um, her program character is. Who are we talking about? Cindy Morgan's yes. character. Her her program character is Yori. Thank you, Yori. Yeah. She's Lori, uh, and her program character is well. Sometimes it's Yori, and sometimes it's Yuri, but she's uh, she's credited as uh, Yori. I think uh, she um, again. They didn't give her a helmet. They softened up the. She's not in a gladiatorial type. She's close. She's a program, but they. She has the soft cap. Right? Yeah. Um, she doesn't the, have an identity disc on her back. No, the elders. Uh, so when uh, Bernard Hughes yeah. is his. Uh, elder statesman program core system actually the funny part is is given that he helped start ncom and he talks about setting up the foundation my assumption is his his programs are these low level foundational programs which is why they're the elders but again wearing robes they're coded to be wise old yeah so even if you're sitting in the middle of nothing and you know who your character is it's probably pretty easy to like you say, she responded. All it takes is David Warner being evil David Warner <laughs> in an aggressive-looking costume. And actually, frankly, he's good enough. You probably do it without the costume. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. I don't think it's as hard as we – It. Uh, my impression was the same too. Uh, even coming down here, I'm like, like that must It's. I guess world, maybe but... it's more about the cons- the concept of it. Yeah. Like if they're like, there's a dragon over there or – you're over here, and we're going to put in some attack choppers later. That's one thing. But yeah. if they're like, you're in the world of computers, 
you're a computer program and there's a, a de-resolution grid coming towards you. That's you. You sort of have to say, okay, I have, I, I you're going to have to back up. I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. And so that's more of the the leap I was talking about in terms of the actors being Absolutely. able to make that. It's it's kind of twofold because we were talking about the sets, which is kind of what obviously what I latched onto uh, there. But sure. You're, but you're right. The flip side is the this high level concept of being in a computer and what the heck does that mean, sort of thing. But yeah. Um, well, okay. Well, Flynn mentions uh, to Clue, he's like, this isn't correcting my bank statement or my phone bills this time. This is serious. Yes. And uh, so <laughs> so we know that Flynn is a, 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 a quote-unquote hacker. Uh, <laughs> and I remember growing up uh, in the 80s when hacking became a big thing. There was that movie Hackers. I loved Hackers. With Angelina Jolie. And uh, much later, it was Swordfish. Yeah, with Hugh Jackman, the net drinking red wine and pushing his chair away and <laughs> smoking and <laughs> hacking away to like fifty thousand watts of funkin' <laughs> and Frank Pop ensemble. What was the, the net, the concept of working oh, the from net. home, worked, Sandra Bullock, right? Sandra Bullock, uh, decoder for uh, or debugger for hire. <laughs> debugger for hire. <laughs> they said, well, she, she worked at home. They, yeah. she's on the phone. They send her a program in five minutes. Like, well, in the scene, it's like a couple seconds later. There's your problem. I was like, that is so not, not how debugging works. Nope. That's that's three programmers arguing with one another for a week. Uh, trying some things doesn't fix it, and then finger pointing. So it's, it's uh, I I actually rank hackers pretty high up in terms of authenticity or vaguely authenticity. Like, yeah. not authenticity, but what they were trying to sell was the concept of the hacker merged with the style of the rave culture, which was going on at the time. Yeah. So frankly, if you ever saw any hackers. If you're reading 2600, none of those guys were 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 like the the rave world. Uh, they all probably listened to techno or had enjoyed techno, but they weren't dressing up like those. Well, maybe a couple of them, but Angelina Jolie was probably <laughs> way too stylish. Yeah. But the point was is when they wanted to talk computers or talk computer concepts, they talked like that whole scene where he's pulling out the books, the hacker books that they like to have for ha- like the DOD books and stuff like the and all these sort of things or or uh, telephone um uh company manuals and things like that that stuff they got really really well yeah. and then when they got had to get into actual programming they went visual like right. they're just like we're going to show you a scene and that was the most uh, accurate bit was that scene where they super sped it up oh yeah right right and time and they're, they're they're swapping in and out again compared to the net where she debugs it in 30 seconds they're trying to figure out from an incomplete chunk of code what it does and it takes all night and four or five of them swapping in and out yeah to try to go through it and instead of showing them code every once in a while they sometimes show almost like hex like screens of hexadecimal data overspersed with weird computer generated fractals and all that it was just it was just them going computer stuff happening don't worry about the code bit it's in 3d um yeah whereas the flip side here it's it's way more war games yeah yeah he just calls into systems they're probably fairly simple he's wet knows way too much about how they work and he's kind of uh morally compromised so yeah they all i mean they always like 
which is funny coming from a guy who's mad that they stole his program and are making money off of it. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? Excuse me while I go tell my bank I'm not overdrawn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's some uh, there's some moral blind spots in Flynn there for sure. He seems to not really care that much. He's like, uh, this isn't just something as simple as stealing from the bank. You know, I'm like, uh, that's... Whoa, let's back this up. Let's unpack that for a second. <laughs> and actually, frankly, as a guy who's living in a, a single bedroom apartment over the arcade that apparently he runs day and night in the 80s, he's probably making pretty good money all on his well, own. Well, he, he insinuates <laughs> that it's not going that well. but yeah. That place was hopping, though. So. It was, yeah, it was hopping. Uh, so again, yeah, going back to the tank, that was uh, designed by Sid Mead. Beautiful. The, I actually the have Sid Mead. Um, an E3 I went to. Um, not my first one. So this was later on. And he did some designs, I think, for... Was there a Tron game coming out that year? It was the he, same. He did. There was a Tron game that was coming out, and I don't know if he did the designs for it because the designs were a little iffy. But I imagine if they, I mean, but they they brought him out as a, a guest at E three. Okay, and I actually have a signed. I think it's of the light cycles running. And Beauty. It's signed by uh, yeah, Sid Sid Mead. So that's. Uh, the tank actually, the tank and the bikes make sense. It's got that same yeah the the cur- very future but very curved and sexy and non angular yes, the curved stuff that was revolutionary at the time all those yeah. all those curves was just super revolutionary we've all seen you know we all saw blocky computer stuff we were all probably pushing turtles around on apples apple yeah. twos and yeah. all that but uh yeah that that's actually what elevates this movie so much is that uh, well, that, and that's what makes it still watchable. Yeah, is conceptually, I wouldn't say that it's lessened now, but we are more familiar with computers, so it seems a little more fantastical. Yeah, you know, because the mystery of what's happening inside a computer isn't really something that is around anymore. It's no. not this. It's still a giant unknowable force. Yeah, but it's more based around what kind of forces will control the internet what kind of forces will control the the global yeah. economy through uh through the internet it's not so much how does a computer work or what yeah. is a mainframe in a world where my mom has put some extra ram in her computer yeah <laughs> no, nobody's really that fascinated anymore but i mean at this the at the heart of this movie is um independent programs mm-hmm. versus multinational conglomerate programs and there was a time when they thought that IBM and uh, all those computers would link up and lock out the people. Yeah. That the corporations would control everything and that there would be no interface for the common man to get into the internet and do their own thing. So yeah. kind of prophetic because I, there, I, there is, a, there is a, a present that I can imagine yeah. where the internet is gated. Yeah, uh, or more to the point, we're living in it now. It took 30 years of the whole yeah. concept of terminal computing. Yeah. And it, the computers weren't in the home, and there was an end run. Apple and Microsoft, love them or hate them, helped make this end run around dial-up terminal computing into putting it in your house. And then drove, yeah. the market drove it to make them faster and more powerful. Yeah. Now we got to the point, all those companies, not the hardware companies, the software companies have went, it's the cloud. It's awesome. You pay us a very small amount of money to put your stuff up there, and nothing could ever go wrong. And 
Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, that sort of thing. I suppose that's another, because people, I think there's probably a good amount of people out there that don't understand that the cloud is this concept of is just, centralized computing. It's a, it's a server in Palo Alto, and, and right? Yeah, exactly. Um, what's the one um, Microsoft has moved into with the Office stuff? It's now subscription-based. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't have it installed on your machine, which you can do, you can just log in through your browser and run Word that way. But all you're doing is, is logging into their systems, yeah. and it will sort of, for lack of a better term, broadcast the program at you. But it's not on your machine. It's if you yank that machine. internet thing out and turn off your browser, it's all gone. Yeah, it's it's still changing, and yeah. there's still I think the war the eh, the battle the war I'm not sure if that the contest the the struggle the I don't know the forces the economic forces that the are the market at play. hasn't quite figured it out yet yeah and I think we're still because there's so many social ramifications and there's so many uh, yeah. economic ramifications and there's so many just like the the yeah we're in a results. weird spot it's the streaming thing again we spend so much time buying uh, individual copies of stuff. It's hard to sort of, I think, it's not going to, like, okay. Stream, like, streaming is actually the best market example because what happens yeah. is, is they sold us on the idea of, you don't have to own anything. Just give us a small amount per month and it's all, look at all the stuff for you. And yeah. we all go, that's amazing. Because Sweet when I used to rent deal. movies, it was yeah. five or six bucks to rent for two days and then it was gone. But yeah. I'm paying Netflix 10 to 15 bucks. You know, I used to be three movies back in the day, but I can watch eight movies a night if I want sort of thing. And then what we've got down the road was is like, and then we're going to take this away. And you're like, oh, yeah. well, I can't get at Seinfeld anymore. Or yeah. I can't get at, or <laughs> or going back to when I, I was coming through the door, we we're talking about, yeah, we watched Tron Uprising on Netflix. And then it went away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so none of us own the discs. Oh, how am I going to see Tron Uprising yeah, I again? I don't think there even was uh, Uprising discs. And this is the place we live in now. Uh, I'm a... Okay, so here we go. I love Tron. Yeah. Love Tron for a long time. Blew my mind as a child. Yeah. Um, it was not in my sweet spot. It came in earlier than, you know, about the... Well, when... Okay, yeah. The 11 to 12-year-old, there's movies. It's not locked into that age, but around that age. Yeah. Because that was how this, old are you? This I'm. I was born in seventy one. So you're two years older than me. Which means... so I was. I was. Uh, t- let's see. The summer of eighty two. I would have been eleven years old. You're and in the sweet spot. I was in the sweet spot because the summer of eighty two almost defined me as a person. It I blew was, the back of my head off. I was eleven in eighty four when Ghostbusters yeah, came for out. Ghostbusters. Eleven, yeah. ten, eleven, twelve is this period of time where you're figuring out who you are. You're quite powerful in terms of thinking and personality and growing yeah, it you're not yeah. fully done but you've reached this point where you're kind of in the olden days you could go work in the mines you were a <laughs> tiny adult right sure yeah, there's this point there where something will grab you conceptually and just and for a lot of people star wars that's why star, i think sure. star wars is huge a lot like i i didn't i it came out earlier for me 77 so i guess i would have been six yeah uh, and that's and that's not, there's still a lot of fans that don't hit that sweet spot sort of thing. But the yeah, um, like Star Wars still blew me away. But uh, yeah, I'm, I think I saw it a couple of years after it came out. It's no, it's not a perfect formula, but anyway. there's there's a huge correlation between a movie you saw yeah in that age that really imprints yourself and music so, too, right? Like people, yeah. why can't they make music like that anymore? It's like well, because it really it 
really defined you as a person and gave you courage and gave you understanding when you were 10 or 11 or 12. Right? Yeah, it's also the reason why when people get about movies now, I'm like, you got to get out of the way. Yeah. I know somewhere there's a 10, 11, 12-year-old that saw that. And, and this has nothing to do with quality, by the way. Exactly. Like, there are people I know that are completely into Monster Squad. Monster Squad is a cool movie. Yeah. It's not a perfect movie. Yeah. But I watch it, it's kind of like, eh. The effects are fantastic. Gosh. I know, right? It there's it can't it can't it can't outright suck. But yeah. these are not always classics. No, in the traditional sense. I don't have a Wolfman's Godnards tattoo <laughs> anywhere, <laughs> no. right? But some people do. Yeah. And when people complain about movies coming out, especially remakes too, I'm like, you know, uh, people who hold movies dear. <laughs> I'm talking about Ghostbusters. You're talking <laughs> about Ghostbusters. <laughs> when I, the 2016 came out, there was so much backlash about that, and they're like, "It's not what I had as a kid." And it's like, if you're gonna crap on this, all you're doing is denying some. 10 11 12 year old more specifically 10 11 12 year old girl yeah which is most of this what we're talking about this is why nerd culture has been such a boys culture there's a lot of stuff put out aimed at boys yeah that they all lock into and the girls yeah some get it some don't like some some lock into movies some don't star wars again a perfect example why star wars is so big a lot of girls could go watch that movie in that sweet spot period and go oh my god yeah have their minds blown the same way as the guys but for the 2016, it's like, I'm like, yeah, it's it's not what I had. It's not perfect. It has its flaws. I got to get out of the way because all we're doing is interfering. Like we're making noise and buzz and, you know, negativity. Keeping kids from going to see a movie that they're just going, they're not going to see all this stuff that we're talking about. They don't even know about it. They're going to see yeah. this cool stuff and they're going to go... <laughs> And they might, out of interest, check out the backstory stuff, right? You know, but. all that stuff, right? So for me, um, I'm not even sure where this point started, but um, uh, where did this point I'm start? Not sure, hacking, uh, hacking news stuff. Uh, but I was well, talking about Tron, new versions of stuff, new and uh, new, well, I remember one thing that, that underlaid it for me while you're while you're thinking about it was that when the new Ghostbusters, when the 2016 Ghostbusters came out, yeah. someone made the point that. More time had passed between 1984 and 2016 than had passed between The Fly in 1954 and The Fly in 1986 yeah. or, or, or whatever uh, that was. Of the Body Snatchers is another good example of that. And like, I'm like, well, the difference, but that can't possibly be true. The it difference is. between 54 and 84, that's, and then I did the math and you're like, wow. Yeah, 2016. That's yeah. a longer gap of time. And that's when I was like, not so much I'm old, but like a realization of just how in the past 1984 is yeah. and how you can't. It, I mean, this is a much bigger discussion, but people fall in love with stuff because it's new. Yeah. And then they want the same thing over and over, over, and over again. again. And I'm like, no, you have to. It happens with science fiction. It happens with a, a, a lot of different genres where people. They see it when they're 10 or 11, 12, but becomes a central building block of their entire personality. Yeah. And it becomes, in a very real sense of the word, their religion. Yeah. And it has to be unchanging because that's something that they have faith in and it's something that they need to be a rock they can rely on for the rest of their lives. And you can't go around changing it because that's heresy. I have a loose theory, that's psychological a theory, that the people who got angriest and ugliest about any movie 
being remade or updated, Star Wars, Ghostbusters, you name it. They're the people that the period of their life around 10, 11, 12, not a great period. There's That's... stuff going on, which is it, it, because what it means is these movies not only blew their minds, it became a happy place for them. An escape, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know where I was heading, but the point with Tron was that, uh, yeah, watched it as a kid, uh, worked in a video store high school. And what happened was, is I would plug, I'd come into work, I would put Tron in, and then I would put in my, <laughs> we live in Canada, so our access to, to, to techno was kind of deprecated compared to like, say the UK or whatever. But I, whatever I'd gotten my hands on, everything from Chris Shepard's Pirate Radio to whatever, I'd put it on and just let the music run, but the visuals were Tron. Yeah. So I have like a three-year gap where like the visuals of Tron is just married to this, you know, techno and house and all this sort of thing for Excellent. me. I do not know where this point started. And I know when I listen to podcasts, I hate people <laughs> that start off on something and don't get there. So my apologies to people. I think, well, that. we were talking about how 10, 11, and 12 is not a sweet time in some people's lives. So they find something that they escape into that becomes super important to them. And I know that was definitely true for me. Like my yeah. parents were having a rough time. I was growing up in a small town. I was very unpopular. And when I read a book, I disappeared into the book. When I watched a yeah. movie that I was into, I disappeared into that. I did movie. a lot of book disappearing and, and, as well. And yeah. Entertainment, comics, was just yeah, comics. A hundred, a huge part of that. Yeah. Collected comics from a young age. There were places I could go that were uh, safe and fun, and yeah. and that was definitely part of of that summer as well. You know, and I mean, you know, like my dad took me to most of these these movies, yeah. and so like. There's good bonding moments there too, but I mean, yeah, I, I would I would concur with that theory. I think there's a lot of people that take in entertainment passively, and just enjoy it like yeah. you would enjoy a piece of cake or something like that. Like they're like, well, that was pretty good, but it doesn't become something that is something that they have to proselytize to the masses. It's something that they don't have yeah. to like preach about and hold valuable and protect. A, a small, I think it's a small indicator that if you find yourself reacting that way to something, it's a good chance to stop and ask why just step back a what's little. going on there if you're losing yeah. your mind about it because the way things are supposed to happen is time marches on pop culture marches on and there's yeah. new kids all the time uh dana gould has a couple of times mentioned i've been trying to find where the anecdote comes from but and i don't know if it's joe strummer to pete townsend or pete townsend to joe strummer but one of the members of the who in the 80s was bitching about rap music and hip hop. Right. And the other one said, no, man, like, we're not kids anymore. That's what the kids are. Our job is to get out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Like, one, again, I can't attribute it to who it was, but I that struck me so hard. Like, even I kind of was kind of like, oh, man. you know, I had my moments of, no, oh, did they really need to re new stuff now, like the, the Princess Bride? Do they really need to redo it? No. But at the same time, someone loves it, wants to take a shot at it, and a bunch of kids will respond to it. And it could, you know, in a, in a really big sense of the word, it could just come and go. It could come and go. And, or and it could cares. do great things on its own. Or it could do great things like, on its own. I'm a big fan of The Thing from Another uh, World. Thing, yeah. Um, which was the basis of The Thing. Yeah. Perfect example of two great movies, hits of their time. Yeah. Although the thing actually didn't wasn't a huge hit, but cult classic horror fan wise, we just oh it's amazing sort of thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, perfect example. Just give it some. I was trying to explain to somebody the other day that the thing movies take so long to make 
that when they do remakes, all they're doing is the same thing that comics do every month. Every month. Every which, month. Every month, which is, uh, or a couple of months. Uh, a writer will take over for a short period of time. Yeah. They will tell their story about Superman. Yeah. Some will be great. Some will be average. A lot of them will be average. And some, uh, you know, there'll be a few stinkers, but, and a few really great ones that make it worth going through the average and the stinkers. It's, yeah. And they do it every month. And then that guy gets out of the way. Somebody else comes in. So here we are living in an era where somebody's like, I love that thing. Can I take a shot at it? And somehow a bunch of people go, no, you can't. It's like, why not? It's especially prevalent in the in the comics movies because I see people think they did this first wave of the MCU and these first few stabs by DC yeah. and like love them or hate them. I'm like, yeah, well, this is just like the comics world. This director, these writers, yeah. they've had a shot. This production team has had their shot. You know, some are successful and some are not <laughs> to everybody's taste. This is not how it's supposed to be. Completely forgetting that you all love Sam Jackson from the Ultimate Universe as Nick Fury. Yeah. And just never said a word about it. Just never said a word. So how about we just let people try things? Yeah. Try it out. If it fails, it fails. But that's the thing because that's what comics have been. They've been churning through different versions. Statistically, the worst will happen is you'll go have an average fun time yeah. and then you'll never think of it again. Right. Anyways. So- not just back to the minute at hand, <laughs> but back to Tron in particular. Uh, so I'm sorry, Sid, I'm sorry. No, it's all good. This is not. This is this is a communal effort of uh, sidetracking. <laughs> uh, between this and Blade Runner, Sid me. Oh, Sid. Well, Blade Runner also came out in 1982. So Sid, 1982 was a real big year for Sid Mead because he did Tron and he did 1982. He did uh, Blade Runner, and they come out within six weeks of each other. Yes, uh, or I mean, they were just like two weeks apart. It was um, the quiet cult classic year. Yeah, he uh, he's 86 now. He's still around. His website is sidmead.com, M-E-A-D. Small apology here. When this was recorded, Sid Mead was still alive. Uh, rest in peace, Sid Mead. You were a legend. Good innings, and thank you for defining so much of my cinematic life. Yep. He also did the designs for Aliens. Mm-hmm. Um Star Trek The Motion Picture, Short Circuit, 2010, Time Cop, Johnny Mnemonic. He did, he's done so much. Yeah. Uh, he was an industrial designer and started with Ford and Phillips and then went on to get into film. So that's why I think a lot of his designs are grounded in the real world yes. with an element of the fantastic. He's a guy that... They call, they call him a futurist. A futurist. Futurists work best when they have a sense of grounding in reality. Yeah. It's a problem I have, uh, so for example, with a lot of games, when somebody goes, it's like, it's, you know, whatever, it's, it's, it's 2025, and there's a war, and our tanks hover, and I'm like, okay, let me just stop you right there. Look at the tanks we have now, yeah, and then look backwards. How much has that form and function changed over a 60-year period. Yeah, yeah. Not a lot. But you're pretty sure in the next 12, we're going <laughs> to get to hover. And that's the kind of thing that bugs me. Is and, and That's why I love anime guys, like watching uh, Pat Labor and stuff like that. They go with the, I'm in a mech suit sort of thing. And, and as a, you know, police in mech suits, great. Backed up by tanks that are not hovering. Yeah. And they've set them 40 years in the future. But they're still treaded tanks with a body that looks a hell of a lot like it rolled off, it probably rolled off a, a, an assembly line 15 years earlier and has yeah. been retro upfitted. And then there's elements of it. Sensor pack. That's why I, why I say sensor pack- packages. The Japanese, 
the number way one to upgrade something into the future is take what we have now and start sticking on those bulbous sensor packages. Yeah. And suddenly you've got exact, and it turns out like the first couple of times they, they show off new tanks and stuff like that, or at the, 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 the demonstration shows and all that same tank. And then they've got like this sensor packages or compact, you know, smoke systems and all this. And yeah. You're like, there you go. Like it, the tank doesn't have to change. It's, <laughs> we an, can't change it. We can't make add it on, but yeah, they're changing the hats. Yeah. Well, and even in this, the result, the like, that's, that's a good point because even in the computer world here, the temptation to make a hovering tank would should be, have been yeah. should, like, you know, everything else like the, 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 well, I mean, the light cycles don't hover, but like the other uh, recognizers floating around, but that even the tanks in the computer world have got treads, yeah. you know, which is, is like, well, they've it's got contact, contact yeah. with the ground anyway. <laughs> Gravity and everything fly rolling off the, the, the bridge later on or the, the cliff later on. And we have this great shot of the inside of the tank. Uh, I love the interior of these tanks with their, yeah, we kind of skipped over that. We kind of skipped over that, but they're, they're That's because you talk too much. Sorry. I do. It's because <laughs> I go on, I go off, I go on and I go off. Uh, the, uh, the, now the inside, this, the, the one thing that I've always, it's kind of like a TARDIS effect. Like mm-hmm. the ins that the set for the inside of the tank seems way too big to fit inside the tank. Yeah. When we see a light cycle beside the tank, we get an example of how big like, the, yeah. the, it looks like you could possibly have someone reclining inside the tank driving it. We, but yeah, we see him pop out of the hatch too, and the scale suddenly goes out the window. The uh, the actual like the actual interior of the tank seems like it's about one and a half times the size of the actual tank, which you, I mean, it go. becomes a magical computer world. It's magical point, yeah. computer world stuff. It doesn't matter, but I love how the whole set rotates yeah. and uh, the way it all looks in there. And um, if there's some shots behind the scenes, I think I saw, or maybe it was just in the storyboards where that the, the cockpit that spins is also on a gimbal that tilts side to really? side. Yeah. That, that never happens in the movie, oh, but uh, well, Opportunity lost there. Opportunity lost there. That would have been a little hard to make, I guess. That's really great. It is actually one of the sexiest practical sets in the whole thing. Everything else is a lot of <laughs> running around boxes. Yeah. So some guy doesn't have to like artificially mat you out of a thing or whatever. But uh, yeah, the t- it's so complex. It's so detailed. Like it is. It's dazzling. I can't, I can't it's th- dazzling. I can't, yeah, I it is. It. I can't think of anything else that's. It's Anywhere just that. geometric lines, and they just came so correct with it. And that's also, I think, uh, well, I don't know if Mo- Mobius did the character design, but I'm not sure if he did the tank interior designs. The motion is also what's amazing, too, because, yeah, it, it again, spins. a practical solution to stuff that people just, you know, like, uh, what's a, an example of similar motion? Contact, I guess. Yeah. When the, the machine, to generate the gravitational thing, had the... The three spinning giant spinning rings and all that. Yeah, they just gave it to a computer. The computer will do it. Hooray! In this one, they want it to move in three different directions on this. You know, three different rates on the flat plane, sort of thing. And I think we were talking about this before. And my, I would put money on. And this is the best part because I don't know and I haven't read it. And you're probably going to tell me I'm wrong. We'll see. But um, he he in his interior seat. Is probably on a turntable. Yeah, the slat wedges on the outside that are moving contrary to the, his seat, I think are are 
set. I think they're locked, and it's the camera on the outside that is moving around the whole thing. Oh gosh! Uh, so you head up a, a trolley track, a trolley track in a circle around it, and you just push the camera in a circle around it, and that's how those in- exterior, you know, orange wedge pieces that he's sitting inside of move opposite of him i'll, I'll have to take a, a closer look that's my guess because i know there's a lot of moving parts and circles and there's like the three circles like you mentioned but i don't know if the camera was locked onto the out one that rotated or if it was the middle one that rotated while uh the middle and the inside that rotated while well, the outside we was fixed well there you go ask the listeners if anybody ask knows the listeners hey right listeners. in if anybody's listening um what do we got there so yeah and i got we got another good line here where uh clue says but and uh Flynn says, "No, buts. no butts, Clue. That's for that's for users." Which I'm like, <laughs> butts are for users. Yeah, like I thought, like, ah, wouldn't the users be like, what butts are for users? Sounds like, well, so users change the subject and have a bunch of excuses all the time. What are you What are you saying? <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I hadn't really thought about that in something that's supposed to be yes, no. He found it's, a maybe. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of like, you know, stop talking, do what you're told, but butts are for users really doesn't. <laughs> I always, when I first heard it, I interpreted it as the same way uh, as um, your program. Uh, kind of a courage thing. You're a yeah. program. You're, you are fearless. You're a program. Go do your thing. Butts and, 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 and oh. prevarications and all that, that's a human thing. We that, are, yeah, doubt and fear doubt or whatever. Doubt and fear and all that. You're something else you but do. No i like button. that go for it i like that interpretation um and one thing that i like about this scene is that clue takes a drink yeah of uh of a glowing yellow uh substance and i didn't remember this when i saw that when i when i first when i saw tron again going in to do the research here i was like i don't i don't remember that i vaguely remember it but i now that you're mentioning it i don't remember seeing it last night and that's like I remember, like, I had a a little. I was a little confused by like the turkey dinner scene in Legacy. <laughs> They're having a big turkey dinner, and I was like, "You can't eat in this world. You can't consume in this why, world." Why aren't they all sitting around a table having energy soup? <laughs> yeah, like. But then I watched this movie again, and I'm like, "Oh, they do consume." They, there's another scene later where they where, where they, the where they, the they, river, the they, wild they, energy, the wild energy from the wild river, which I actually really like because they're like, "Come on, Flynn," and he's just like, <laughs> and like so. What, I mean, it's yellow coffee, or do you think it's like pure electricity or pure power? Or I what assumed do you, what it was an energy thing. To yeah. be honest, what I like about Clue, like too, a, a literal energy drink, a literal energy drink. <laughs> what I like, uh, Clue is um is yellow. Yeah, and that that was part of the original design specs. Yeah, like, and it's great because you have bad guys, red, warning, stop, evil, all those associations. Blue, very positive, the programs. Uh, and Clue is an outsider. Cl- Clue is an intruder that he's, uh, uh, Flynn's created and sent off into the system. So in order to differentiate him, yeah. yellow. Yeah, yellows were like sentry programs in the finished product. But in the beginning conceptual stage, the yep. bad guys were blue. Really, and the good guys were yellow. Were yellow, and yes. uh, and then that got that got changed. Not a lot of contrast no, going on there. You can still see it in the um, in the original lights in the light cycle race because there's a yellow cycle. Because the blue guys piloting the yellow cycle. Oh, and there you go. Sark is piloting the blue I cycle. I was thinking about that last night. I was thinking that, yeah, and I I don't know if this is true, but I wonder if they had started rendering those scenes with the original concepts in mind. 
and then the original concepts got changed, but they were halfway through rendering it. Yeah, possibly. So they were like, well, <clears throat> we're not going to change the color. We can't. We don't have the time. It has, it has that that scene has very little to 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 sell other than the concept of the yeah. light cycle. So. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then we see our first shot of Bit, and Bit yes. was developed no. by the other one, Digital Effects Incorporated. Yeah. Again, one of those wonderful things of we the world of uh uh 90s fractals and renderings and all that are still way out but we can do something cool with math which is go from this shape to this shape yeah they've got the uh they had the the list of the actual shapes like an isosceles dodecahedron or something for yeah. yes but then a, a like a, just a simple tetrahedron for for no, no. or yeah. oh i guess it was the other, other way, way around yeah yeah because it was very sharp when he said no red spiky for no and then yeah uh, smooth diamonds. It's one yes. of the app, first apps I got with my phone. Was there's a, actually this goes back to uh, I I also yeah it would have been around that time. You and I worked together on a on a, a nerd adventure here in town. I think I remember you showing me something on your phone. And I had the right. app because it's all it does is say yes or no in, yeah. in, in the bit voice. So I remember you showing that to me. Actually, the world's simplest soundboard. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. That's funny. Uh, and so then they managed to merge with the memory stream, the, the, the purple streaks yeah. of the memory stream. I'm a little confused by bit. Oh yeah. He, well, this is where my philosophical understanding of computer science breaks down too, because he's not, they present him as the smallest unit in the thing. There's just these simple bits. He's simple and he's yes or no on or off here or there sort of thing. Technically, there's is smaller, which is bytes, and then I realized I don't, I don't quite. I just realized I don't quite understand what the difference between a byte and a bit is, except that one is made up of the other. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is the, uh, you know, the electrons versus the molecules, sort of thing. Yeah, there is the the quarks versus the uh, everything else. Um, <clears throat> it's not enough to bother me, but. Uh, uh, yeah, there and then there's this merge with the memory stream, which again I also kind of. Well, I, I always figured that was just kind of <laughs> like you have to give the computer world a topography and a yeah. geography, and a it's just like a river, you know. It's, yeah, exactly. That makes a certain amount of sense. Can, do you think we can go through this? And yeah. they do. Um, yeah, in the canyons, in the uh, yeah, all that kind of stuff. The cliffs and the canyons and the. Yeah, valleys. The bit we were talking about later on with the the energy pools and all that is made up, even though it's very simplified shapes. It's meant to look like kind of the mountains on the outskirts of uh, yeah, the like town a, like they're a, trying to a get wilderness into. Of some kind. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean that takes us up to about the end of this minute. And then hey. uh, the differences with the novel and the screenplay is that in the novel, Clue's just drinking from a container. It says, and in the screenplay, it says that it's drinking glowing coffee. <laughs> so they actually, they actually call it <laughs> call it coffee. They actually call well, there's it the coffee. foundation for legacy in the turkey, though. <laughs> yeah, there it's there. It they're was eating, there from the they're beginning. They're eating energy energy turkey. It's one of those things <laughs> where you know. I saw it in the remake and I was like, not what have they done, but like, oh, I don't think they understood the source material. And then I see the source material and I'm like, oh, they're, maybe they did. they're eating and drinking here. So maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it just falls under that uh, the, the umbrella of 
it's now whatever the when the movie come out 2013 something like that something like that yeah by the time 20, we got uh, to 22 no 13 maybe. by the time we got to this point everybody computers were bigger better and faster so everything is bigger better than it was so yes they're energy turkeys i'd like to believe did they, <laughs> did they actually cut into it uh, i'd like to uh, believe if they like cut into cut off a piece it's like you know white energy glowing inside just like the green matrix text <laughs> exactly. down uh, down each cross section of the of the turkey there for sure i don't even i don't even see any all i see is like turkey sandwich <laughs> club sandwich turkey soup <laughs> did you see the open-faced turkey sandwich <laughs> I, I i made her <laughs> i know that the matrix is telling my brain <laughs> I know that this turkey sandwich is not real. That the Matrix is telling me that it's plump, juicy, and delicious. <laughs> Anyways. <sorry>. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. That takes us to the end of the minute. All right. So, Chris, where can uh, people find you if they want to hear more of you? Uh, if you want to go listen to the podcast, which I, uh, it depends on what your flavor is. If you want to just listen to me, which by this point, maybe you're ahead enough of. Uh, yeah. Search uh, for – actually, go to Ghostbusters HQ. Dot com. That's where Troy uh, puts it. There is a cross rip uh, bit there. You can just listen from there. But it's also search on iTunes, etc. If you want to read Ghostbusters nonsense, just search for Proton Charging. Uh, P-R-O-T-O-N. Charging. Uh, and same on Twitter as well. And that's where I post, you know, the movie news. And they made a new action figure. And here's my stupid meme about Bill Murray. That sort of thing. So. Awesome. And if you want to get in touch with us, check out more at TronologicallySpeaking.com. Drop us a line on Twitter at TronologicallySpeaking. Send us an email at TronologicallySpeaking at gmail.com. Or join us on Facebook at the Tronologically Speaking Tron Minute by Minute listeners page. Intro and outro music was created by Roman Forster over at Pond5. Uh, go over there for some royalty-free music to purchase. And special thanks to the Star Wars Minute that started it all. Go on over to MoviesByMinute.com and see if your favorite movie is there. And if it isn't, like I did here, consider doing one yourself they're a very inclusive and encouraging and supportive community and they'll answer all your questions and uh they just really really want more people to be there and this this if you go there's over 140 movies that are have been done and there's more that are in the process of being done so go, go see if anybody's claimed hackers yet gosh i don't think anybody has there you go at this jump point. on it get on some hackers all right well do you want to say end of line on three sure all right one two three and of life. life.